Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Summer is in full swing and there's so much going on at our church. Be sure to check the events section of our website or the Creekwood Church app to stay connected this summer. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. I I love the closeness of God and, and I was reminded this week of how really such a poor father I really am. And, uh, and I'm just thankful that our God is a good father. He's a good, good father that you can run to the father. And I'm so grateful for that because this week I was coaching my, my son's basketball team at the field house. And um, th- quite frankly, they were playing terrible. <laughs> and they're a little ninth grade bunch of kids, eighth grade going into ninth grade. They're supposed to be in the eighth grade playing because they're still not in the ninth grade technically. But we play up, you know what I'm saying? That's a little coach brag. We play up. And so we were playing a bunch of high school kids and we were getting ourselves little, like we were ahead by 10 and we let them come back. And I got so mad. And my son is one of the taller kids and I expect a lot out of him. And we, I called timeout. It's like, timeout, timeout. You run to the bench. You do not walk over here. And they get to the bench and I said, you do this and you do this. And Landon, I need you to do better. You're six foot 12, whatever you are, you're huge. Your arms are so long, make a layup. And he said, don't say that again, dad. I get made fun of. Atlanta, you can make layups for the record, but not in that game. And I'm just saying like, help your dad out. I'm not just coach, I'm your dad. And I was so upset at that moment and I felt like I was yelling. And then afterwards, I was done with the game and I go outside, I'm mad at myself. And, and there was this man that was there out in the parking lot. And he had, a, he had a broken down car and his hood was open. And I said, I, and he was there before the game and he was still there after the game. I was like, you're still here. And, and, and it was crazy because his hood was still there and he had a, a battery that was, that was messed up. So I just pulled my car up. We charged him up and it was like time to go, except we started talking about God. And it was powerful because he was telling me about his wife and how she was doing some Bible study. And he reminded me of something I needed to be reminded of. And that's 1 Kings 19. And how God is close to us. Because it's the story about Elijah. Y'all know the story about Elijah, the prophets, one of my favorite stories. And he was being chased by, he was running from a girl named Jezebel and he thought he was gonna die. And so he found himself in a cave and God spends the, sends the group, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, he, he sends uh, 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 fire, right? He sends an earthquake. He sends, he sends all the wind, earth, wind, and fire, the group. <laughs> And the Bible says that Elijah did not hear God in any of that. But he heard him in a still, small voice. And that means that God, if you can hear God in a gentle whisper, then you, that God must be close. Close enough to whisper. And I love that God's close. And I want to talk about the presence of God today. I wanna talk about the power of the presence of God. And I was reminded because I was suffering for Jesus last week when I went to Jamaica. <laughs> and I went to Jamaica, play, what, you stayed in a place called Golden Eye on vacation. Golden Eye was a little amazing resort. I mean, the, 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 the beach was amazing. The, uh, the, the food was amazing. The sunsets were amazing. Enough, Brad. Okay, like we know, all right? Like, I mean, it was amazing. 
But that's really not what made this place special. Because my wife who like looks for places like this to go and we go and it's awesome. She finds this place and she tells me what's cool about this place is there's a man named Ian Fleming who purchased this property back in the 1940s. And you may not know who Ian Fleming is by his name, but you may know what he wrote. And he is the author of the James Bond 007 novels that turn into these iconic movies. And I was like, wow, wow, this is awesome. And so I start thinking about how this is going to be really cool. And we get there and it's not that big of a resort. Like you can go and, and see Ian Fleming's house. And I have a picture of when I was on a kayak and I was going to see his house. And this is a picture of me just going, looking at the beach where he wrote James Bond movies and novels. And I'm just like, this is so cool. And I was blown away because I get starstruck. I don't know if y'all do, but sometimes I do. And, and I'm telling you, I was blown away because I was close to the author. I felt close to the author. And I had, I told my wife, I said, you know what? And by the way, there's another picture that I want to show you. This is a picture of this blue boat, this large blue boat on here. This is a picture of the boat that was out right there on the beach. If you go look at the new James Bond movie that's coming out, that was supposed to come out during COVID, but because of COVID, they pushed it back. Like if you go watch the trailer, this is the boat that blows up. It's right there. Now it's special effects. All right. So it's here, but I'm just telling you like, that's the boat. And I was like, this is so cool. And James Bond and Sean, Sean Connery and, and Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig, all these dudes that they stayed at this resort. And you know what room they stay in? Number seven. They stay at 007. I'm like, this is so cool. And I was blown away. At, at, this is where they were. This is where the author wrote the book. And I was so, like, it was just different. And I was up flying home from Jamaica and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I wrote a book. And I've never seen you this close. And I felt like he was hurt for a moment. And I'm telling you right now, it took me going all the way to Jamaica to be reminded of the presence of God because he said, last time I checked, Ian Fleming passed away in 1964. But I wrote a book and it's a really good book and I'm still alive. And I'm telling you right now that we serve a God who is present in our life. And I wanted you to, to know that he's here. He's like right here. He's here now. And I want you to, I want you to hear this. That Matthew 18, 20 says, now for where two or three gather in my name, there I am I with them. Like he's here. And this is why I love coming to church because there's something special about the presence of God. And not, as you heard Rachel talk about last week, it's not about being in church that you have the presence of God. The kingdom of God is different than what they thought the kingdom of God was gonna be. It's not that we're gonna go and attack the Romans and that, and that we're gonna have some special kingdom that's lo located in the Golden Eye Jamaica Resort. No, you don't have to go there to be aware of the author that he lives and he dwells inside of us. And you gotta know that. But Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never, who goes before you? The Lord himself. That's special. Like the author, he's the one who goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. My dad taught me about the power of the name of Jesus. When I was five years old, I used to have um, these bad 
um, like nightmares. Y'all ever had a nightmare? You can raise your hand in church. Okay, all of us. Okay, we've all had nightmares. And I'm telling you right now, when I was five, I used to have really bad nightmares. And I, I, one time I was so scared, I wouldn't get out of my bed. You ever been in that? Because they might get you. And I was so scared, I didn't even want the covers to come off my body because that was my protection. And I remember when I was five years old, I was so scared about this nightmare. I woke up and the only thing I could do was call on my dad. And my dad came and I will never forget that. I don't forget it. I'll never forget it. My dad slept with me, laid down and slept in my bed. And he said, when you get scared, you call on the name of Jesus. And I learned right then and there, that's the Prince of Peace. And I felt comfortable. And so right now when I get scared, you know what I do? I think about my five-year-old self and I think about my dad laying down and say, call on the name of Jesus. And there's something powerful about the presence of God. I wanted to talk to you about the awareness of the presence of God. You gotta be aware that he is here because I think many of us have lost sight. Many of us have lost spiritual sight because there's something happened that happens when you become aware of God's power. When you're actually aware of the presence of God, something happens that's different. It's not just like one day I'm going to heaven. Cool. Can't wait for it. Not really sure what it's about. Heaven's not really talked a whole lot about in the Bible. I don't really know what I'm getting myself into, but I'd rather go there than there. And so, right? And if we're not careful, we'll walk around this life full with no power. And you got a Mercedes, you got like something, that's not even the most powerful engine. Um, you got something inside of you right now that if you will rev up, and I feel like we got people that have lost sight. And what happens when you become aware of the presence of God, you build faith muscles. You, it's like you start doing bench press and trapezoids and, and I can just keep going, like all the different muscles, I just name them all. <laughs> like when you start working out, I'm telling you what happens is there's two scientific words. You have hypertrophy and you have atrophy. And so faith is like a muscle. When you build it, when you have faith and you use it, you actually build up your faith muscles. And when you don't, you actually lose faith muscles. And so I feel like in so many ways, we have so many Christians that are walking around with faith atrophy in your life. And I'm here today to wake it up. I want to wake it up. And we, it's like the old saying, do you even do legs? Do you ever do leg day? Do you ever do leg? Cause you are big on the top. You look really good on the surface, but where it matters, you don't. And you're walking around. I feel like Christians, we got, we got little bitty legs. And we got big upper bodies. You know what I'm talking about? And I feel like that's the way so many of us are. And, and, and there's something that happens when, when you realize there's the presence of God is real and, and he's powerful and he's here and he's available. And Psalms 91 says, for he will order, think about this. He will order his angels. Y'all know you got an angel. He will order his, I named my angel. Maybe yours is Tom or Robert. I don't really know the name of my, I just, I just assume mine's Gabriel. And I just say, Gabriel, I call him G, what's up G? And I'm like, Gabriel's here. I, mine's 10 foot, probably, at least. He does upper body and leg day, doesn't skip it. 
This guy's amazing. And that's so crazy because he says, Psalms 91, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And I added this part because this is so relevant to today. You will trample upon lions and cobras. Y'all know we got a cobra problem. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? We apparently have a cobra, a West Africa cobra problem in this area. And there's a picture of the cobra. This is floating around right now. Do you know that cobra has its own Twitter handle right now? I heard that in the last service. He's got his own Twitter handle. I'm just, I needed you to know that you have an angel. God has given you charge over the enemy in your life and you can even step on cobras. Now don't do that if you find it. (laughs) Report it, report it. Well, Pastor Brad, he gave us this really powerful scripture in Psalm 91. No, report that. But I'm telling you, I feel like, and this is kind of why I, where I went and why I'm speaking on this, is I feel like we have so many Christians that are distracted and discouraged. And as Christians, we should not be. I'm gonna tell you right now. Satan cannot defeat you. You have an enemy that is already defeated. He's already lost. I had a pastor growing up. This is old school, but it still works. He said, I've read the back of the book and God wins, Satan loses. You need to know he cannot come after you. In fact, he has to flee from you. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's just a resist, just get off me. Like, what are you talking about? But what happens is he cannot defeat you, but he will distract. And when he distracts, he discourages. And I feel like we have a lot of Christians that are walking around discouraged, atrophied Christians, discouraged. And I see this, especially I call social media, the great distractor. Oh, y'all know? I mean, Instagram might as well be the worst distractor. It is terrible. And I, I, I can't stand it because it's not even fair to look at Instagram. It's not fair because what you do, and you've heard this before, but you are comparing their highlight reel to your behind the scenes. You've heard that. And it's always like that. You're like, oh man, I'm sitting in my pajamas in my living room. The Levins are in GoldenEye, Jamaica. <laughs> I got to worry about a cobra loose. They're not worried about it. They're in Jamaica. And it's just not fair when you look at Instagram because it's, it's so deceiving. It's so distracting and, and it can be so discouraging. And I'm giving you an example. I, as a pastor, I do this sometimes with other churches. I, it's easy for me to lose sight of what God is doing here, where he sent me here. So because I start looking at other, what are they doing over there? And what are they doing over there? No, 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 no. What is he doing right here? I'm telling you right now, it's easy to get distracted. The enemy will distract and discourage you. And and I'm telling you right now, one of the things I hate, this is a pet peeve of mine, so I'm just gonna say it, okay? I cannot stand on social media. I'm using this as my phone because I didn't have my phone up here, okay? But this is the phone and this is what you do when you take a selfie. (laughs) Close your mouth. It's not real. That's fake. You do not walk around with an open mouth. Hey, ah! like that's not what you do. 
That is not what you do. That's so fake. And so I see, so all these people are like, oh, look at us, oh. And then immediately it's over and you're like, okay, so what's up? I can't stand that. And that's the, it's a metaphor for real life. Like that's not real. And most people don't know how to get ourselves out of discouragement. I'm gonna say this right now to you. You need to understand you are more spiritual than you are physical. Most of us think that we are a physical being and we have a spiritual experience. That's not what happens. You're actually a spiritual being that you just happen to be living in a, in a, human, a human experience. Because guess what? The Bible says life's but a vapor. It appears for a moment, then it's gone. You're about to live eternity somewhere. You are more spiritual than you are physical. Tap into the spiritual. It's so much better. And it'll get you out of this distraction and, your, and discouragement. And so I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but someone needed to hear this. And so what the disciples, they got to do is spend three years understanding the power of Jesus's physical presence. Sometimes I wish I was a fly on the wall just to experience his physical presence. Now, I don't wanna be a disciple. I just wanted to be like, I wanted to be there because they only got to see three years of it. But the truth is, you know, Jesus as a little child did miracles. Like, you know, he was walking on waters and his mom was like, get down. It's not your time. You know that, you know that. But I, I every now and then, I, it's just fascinating to think about that. And I want you to write this down in your notes. Everywhere his presence is welcome, power is available. Everywhere his presence is welcome, power is available. Did you know you can invite the presence of God into your relationships? Did you know one time Jesus was invited when those three years when the disciples were with him, the physical presence of God, he was invited to a wedding at Cana. And do you know that there was one time that he, that they ran out of wine. That's a big problem in a wedding in those days. They ran out of wine and Jesus said, it's all good. Just take the jars, the six jars. They're about 20 to 30 gallons a piece. Take the jars down to the water, fill it up. Yeah, but Jesus, we don't want water. We kind of want wine. Do you know who I am? Do what I said. And he changed it. He turned water into wine. He, he saved the best wine for last. Do you know that you can invite Jesus in the presence of God into your business? Just ask Peter. Peter, his business was to be a fisherman. And do you know what Peter did? One time Jesus asked Peter to get on his boat so he could preach. And so he pushed off just a little bit and he preached. He used it as a platform to preach to people. Just like that's happening right here. And then afterwards he said, he said, I noticed your nets are a little empty. And he said, let's push out into deeper waters and let's drop your nets. And Peter had the audacity to, to tell Jesus, I spent all night trying to catch fish and trust me, there's nothing out there tonight. And I think Jesus needed to show him the power and the presence of God because he said, I need you to just do it. And Peter said, okay, rabbi, meaning you're not a fisherman like me. You're a teacher, but because you say so, I'll do it. And do you know they caught more fish? They caught so many fish. Do you know Jesus is the creator of the fish? And at any given moment, he can bring the fish. You got, I'm just saying, you gotta be aware of who you're talking to, of the presence of God. Do you know you can bring the presence of God into the storm of your life? One time Jesus was invited onto a boat. He was with the disciples on a boat. Do you know he was sleeping when a storm came? Because he ain't worried about it. He's not worried about the things you're worried about. I need to align myself with what God worries about. And he is not worried about that storm. And he is sleeping, I think, snoring. And when they wake him up because they're freaking out, they say, Jesus, do you not care? Jesus looks at the storm, says, peace, be still. And they say something that's so powerful. The disciples look at him and say, what kind of man is this? 
Even the winds and the waves obey him. His name is Jesus. It's the power of the presence of God. Let me give you some advice today. If you have a relationship problem, you need to learn how to invite Jesus into your relationship because the Bible says that really your issue is not flesh and blood. It's really not them. It's really not your spouse. It's a spiritual issue and you are trying to handle a spiritual issue with a physical way. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. So you gotta learn how to fill up spiritually so you can learn how to fight these battles. Do you have a business shortage? Learn how to invite Jesus into the presence of your business. Are you going through a storm? Invite the presence of God. Everywhere you welcome the presence of God, his power is available. When you read the gospels for three years, the disciples saw the power of his physical presence and then Jesus does, he does what he was supposed to do. Uh, at 33, he comes and he eventually gets on the cross and he dies this death that it really wasn't, I'm telling you, he, he, he didn't deserve it. But he dies this death on the, on the cross and you know what the, what's so crazy is? We don't, people don't talk about this. It was so dramatic that the Bible says the earth shook. The whole earth shook that for three hours, the whole earth grew dark. The Bible says that the veil of the temple into the Holy of Holies ripped in two. In other words, and this is what's so powerful, you do not need a priest anymore to go before God. Now you can go confidently and boldly into the throne room of God with confidence. Like this is something you can do. And then what happened is, that's not it. The earth, the earth even had to respond. But what happened was three days later, he rose from the grave and he defeated death. And we serve a God who is not Ian Fleming who died in 1964 that wrote some cool books. He is the author of the Bible, the beginning and the end, and he is still alive. And his power is still for you today. And if you, if you think that his power was just for those days, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to tell you you're wrong because Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power. Who will receive power? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud him, hid him from their sight. You could just imagine they're taking notes. These are the final words that Jesus says as he's going into heaven, like he's ascending into heaven and he disappears right before them. You know, Peter was like, did he say Jerusalem or Kentucky? What did he just say? I'm taking notes and I missed that. John was bothering me. Oh, by the way, where's Jesus? Like this is the last thing he's saying and he ascended into heaven. And I wanted to tell you something today because maybe you feel like this today. When Jesus ascended into the right hand of the father, you need to know that he did not leave you. He did not leave you. He is more present now than he ever was before because he sent you and me and us the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is present, very present in this room. And now not only is he living with you, but he is dwelling inside of you. 
So you don't have to be reminded of the presence of God by going to Golden Eye, Jamaica. Now, if you want to, it was cool. But you can be right here. You don't have to be at church. You can be in your car and be reminded of the presence of God, that his power is available to you. John 16, 7 says, but very truly, I tell you, it is, more, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus did not go to be with the Father so that you could tell his stories all for the rest of your life. He went to the Father to conquer sin so that you could have the same power that, that dwelled within him. And this is what's so crazy. I don't know about you, but Romans 8, 11 says something so powerful. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I don't know about you, but I think it's high time in August of 2021, we start believing God at his word. And we start declaring that his word is true. I don't wanna be part of a dead church. I don't want to be part of a church that just kind of says, this is my insurance. I say I go to church on Sunday so that I might make heaven one day. No, there's more. There's more. There's more in your 80 years. There's more in your 50 years of life. There's more in your 90 years of life. And I don't want to be part of something that's dead. I'm telling you right now, God has more for your life. I know that because of this scripture. 1 John 14 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will, will do the same works I have done and even greater works. God wants to do even greater works in your life. It's not all about sitting around telling the stories of Jesus, even though they're really cool and they're amazing and I think it's powerful, but God wants to do amazing works in your life. So y'all need to bring out your inner journey and don't stop believing. Y'all don't even know that song. Don't laugh. Y'all don't even know. I've seen Journey twice live. They're so good. I'm gonna tell you right now, but you need to stop. Some of you stop believing. You stop believing that this is real. And the power of God is real and it's for you today. And every now and then God gives you these incredible stories and gives you these moments where you just know you are aware of the presence of God. And I could pass the mic and you could tell me all the stories. But about two years ago, I was speaking at a little conference in Colleen, Texas. It's where I went to high school. Y'all know this. I went to Colleen High School, the worst mascot in the history of mankind, the Colleen Kangaroos. What is that? <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Like, I'm like, we're, no, I go to Colleen. Someone would go, what's your mascot? I don't, I don't, what? Did you say something? Because I got to tell you, we're the kangaroos. So lame. It was so lame. Why am I spending so much time on that? I don't know, but it's just embarrassing. And I went to Colleen High School and I went to, I went, I was at this conference and I was speaking and, and I, right before I was speaking, I went to the bathroom and, and I told you guys before that God speaks to me in the bathroom sometimes. <laughs> My old youth pastor was there and he was, I hadn't seen him in like 20 years. And he comes up to me and he said, Brad, it's so good to see you. I'm like, what? We're like hugging each other in the bathroom. Did you wash your hands? I washed mine. Okay, cool. <laughs> so dumb. But this is the truth. And we were walking in, and Scott Hawksworth was there in the bathroom. And he said, oh, I'll never forget that prayer. I said, well, what? 
Oh, oh, I'll never forget that prayer. Remember that prayer? Uh, I've prayed a lot of prayers. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that prayer. No, the prayer. What, Scott, what prayer are you talking about? Oh, January 4th, 1995. What? You know the date? Oh, God, it changed everything, Brad. The prayer. The prayer that changed the ministry at our youth group. The prayer. I said, tell me about the prayer. I need to remember, you reminded, January 4th, 1995, you were a freshman at Texas A&M University and you came back. You came back over your winter break and it, I was a little frustrated because this is the first Wednesday of the, of, of the year and I was all excited about youth that, that night except our pastor said we have an evangelist speaking and so do a few worship songs and then take the kids over to the adults. He's like, that's lame. Why would I wanna do that? But he was being obedient to his pastor. And so he said, I walked in and there were about 23 of y'all, very normal kids that were always there. And on this side of the aisle, there were 20 new kids that had smelled like pot, weed, alcohol, cigarette smoke. And he said, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And he, gave, he said, I gave him a lame excuse. Well, we're gonna have to go into the adult section and we'll listen to the message. And he said, and I, he goes, my wife leaned over to me and he said, why don't you have Brad pray? And he's like, he's at A&M. I don't even know if he's saved anymore. <laughs> I rebuke that. <laughs> so I guess it's by my son's the DBU Patriot. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's cool, but uh, I'm just saying like, like it's, I was, I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. And so you begin to pray and I began to play the keys because I couldn't speak that message because I had to take them to the adult service and you began to pray. And when you began to pray, you didn't pray this like little weak prayer where you start saying God's will be done. He said, you started praying precisely. Like you started saying that people would come to know Christ today in this room, that people would, you started praying for our city that revival would take off right now from this church. You began to pray that like these kids, this school district would be changed because of what's happening in this youth group. And I was like, that's awesome. And, and he's like, yeah. And it was amazing. And, and then he said, and then he said, and then that day I, you said, amen. There were tears everywhere. 15 of those 20 new kids came and accepted Christ in that moment. That was the old school days when you had an altar. He said, I remember the tears on the altar. And he said, they accepted Christ. And I go, that's so awesome. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's so cool. He goes, that's not it. The next six months, we had a revival I've never seen. We did not, he goes, I didn't preach for six months. I would come in, those kids that accepted Christ would bring their friends in and they would, by the time we got through song two, would start coming down crying. He goes, I couldn't preach for six months. We would double, then triple. And then they started doing like in their school systems, they started doing Bible studies. I had one kid had 150 kids come into his Bible study before school started. And he said, there was an officer that was at Colleen Ellison. And he said, he would come and he would say, what's happening? Because my kids are good now. Like there's not problems anymore. And he said, I don't know, but God is up to something and he's doing something. And I just reminded, I did not know about that. And sometimes you gotta be reminded there is a ripple effect waiting your faith. There is a ripple effect that's awaiting your faith. And I wonder how many miracles would have happened had I had more faith. 
God wants to open your eyes again to his power. And I'm gonna close, I wanna close, I wanna pray for you. I don't know what you're dealing with. I wanna pray that God would meet you where you're at. But there's one scripture that I've been so impressed with. It's so amazing. It's Matthew 9, 27. I wanna read this story. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They replied very emphatically, yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Two things and I'm gonna pray for you. Number one, why on earth did he say restored? Why did he say restored? Because if you look at Mark 5, women with the issue of blood, he didn't say restored. He said, your faith has made you whole. Mark 10, the other blind situation, blind Bartimaeus, you may have heard of that. He didn't say your, your sight has been restored. He said, your faith has healed you. The only reason that you would say your sight has been restored is because at one point you actually had sight and you must have lost it somewhere. And I wonder, the scripture leaves it open. It does not say how they lost their sight. And there's a lot of reasons why you can lose your sight. But I don't think this is necessarily even talking about physical sight. I truly, I truly believe this is also like spiritual sight. What is it that has made you get so discouraged and be so defeated when you have an enemy that's already defeated? What is it? What is it that made you lose sight? What is it that made you lose the awareness of the presence of God? You, you have a reason and a purpose for life. Come back to life. Come back to life. Well, what was the disappointment? Was it cancer? Did you get betrayed? Was it a really bad decision? What setback causes you to lose your sight? See, when you lose your natural sight, you know it. When you, when you lose your spiritual sight, you don't. It happens so slow. You know, it comes up on you like a cobra from Grand Prairie. Inappropriate joke right there. What made you lose your sight? Here's how I know you've lost your sight. When you pray prayers to protect your heart from disappointment. As a pastor, I've gotten into this bad habit of saying, God, your will be done. I think that's appropriate. I really do. But if you're alive and you're breathing, I'm not praying that anymore. I wanna see the power of God. See, when you pray for healing and it doesn't happen, if you're not careful, you'll lose sight. When you pray for a promotion and it doesn't happen, if you're not care careful, you'll lose sight. But the reason I love this text is it says their sight was restored. In other words, they once had it and they lost it, but something must have happened inside of them that they said, I want it back. I want it back. I want it back. I'm done settling, I want it back. I want that kind of faith. And the second thing I noticed from the scripture is it says, according to your faith, let it be done to you.
Whose faith? Jesus' faith. Your faith. According to your faith, let it be done to you. And I'm gonna say something that you may not even necessarily agree with until you really concentrate on what this says. Do not allow your experience to shape your theology. Why did he heal over here, but he didn't over here? I don't know, but he's God. And God is gonna do what he's gonna do. And I promise you, when you get to heaven, you are gonna know exactly why he did what he did. But his timing is perfect and his ways are different than my way. And just because I don't get, he is not the celestial Santa, Santa Claus where you can just say, I prayed for it and you said no. No is an answer to. And God has something better for you, maybe through that thing that you just wanna get rid of. God is not a formula. He is not a Rubik's cube. He is not a combination lock. And if anyone tells you otherwise, if you'll just do this, 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 you'll get a miracle. They are a liar. I have never seen that happen in my life. But I'm telling you, God's power is real. And my job is not to heal. My job is to believe in the one who can. And so right now, I'm gonna pray for you. And if you have a need in this place at all, I want you to symbolically hold out your hands and say, God, I need you. Right now, pull out your hands, seriously, if that's you. If you don't have a need, it's okay, you don't have to. But symbolically, would you just say, God, I need you right now. I don't know what it is, but I pray in the name of Jesus over every family in this place that has a need. I rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus. I curse diabetes right now in the name of Jesus. Those that are physically blind in here, heal them in Jesus' name. I pray those that, that are struggling with their finances, you would be the, the, the provider for their life, God. You would provide financially. Those that are dealing, have a wayward child right now and they have a lost child that is far from you, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would put an appointment, you would put a, a relationship. I don't know, they gotta lose all their money like the prodigal son and they gotta come back and they would rather eat with pigs. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but that's, if that's that's you, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would restore God, you would mend and you would heal because that's who, that's who you are. You said to Moses, tell them I am, I am sent you, I am, meaning I am whatever you need in this moment. And I pray God right now for every need in this place. And maybe your greatest need isn't a miracle of that sort, maybe it's salvation, that is the greatest miracle. And maybe you're in this place and you know you need God. You've been at church, but what you need is a saving father. And right now, I'm gonna pray for you. If you say, yeah, that's me, that's me, it's time. It's time, I need God right now. If that's you and you say, Brad, would you pray for me? I want you on the count of three to raise your hand. One, two, three, say, Brad, that's me. Yes, I see all, literally all over this place. I pray in the name of Jesus, salvation would be in this house right now, God that healing would be in this house. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Say, God, I am in need of a savior. I need you, I trust you, God. You are, uh, you died on the cross for my sins, God. I believe that and I believe that you are still alive because three days later you rose from the grave. And so I pray that. And if that's you and you accepted Christ today, can we give it a huge hand for those who just accepted Christ? Thanks for listening. If you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love our YouTube channel. Subscribe at youtube.com slash creekwoodchurch for video messages and full services uploaded weekly.